BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of The Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie. So happy that you're here. Are we okay after last week's episode? I don't know if I've ever gotten so many messages from people being like, this episode was way too triggering to listen to. (laughs) Pretty sure uh, none of us realized how affected we were by our best friend breakups until we relived them last week. So I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry for anybody who, who found that really hard to listen to. I hope that at the very least you felt like you weren't alone because you really aren't. Best friend breakups are very common and very, very hard. So this week will be a little bit more upbeat. Uh, We won't be rehashing any trauma. Well, none of your trauma, just mine, just mine this week. But we are celebrating two years of the podcast this week. I cannot believe that. I cannot believe that I have been doing this for two two years. I'm a month late. So the two-year mark was actually June 7th. That was the June 7th, 2020 was the first episode date. And here we are two years later. I never thought that I would make it two years. I really didn't. Like, I know I've, I've told you guys the the origin story of the bad broadcast a ton. But for those that don't know, I started it, you know, in the middle of COVID, quarantine, whatever. And I just would think to myself, like, I'm just going to do one and then we'll see what people think. And then if they like it, I'll do one the next week. And you guys just propelled me through and you guys kept listening, kept sharing. And then Dear Media came into the picture last year around this time. So like May of 2021 was when I got signed to Dear Media. And that was a major, major game changer. I mean, that was when this became a real career for me. And before we even start the whole episode, I just want to say thank you to Dear Media and everybody who has helped make the podcast what it is, especially my producer, Nick. Nick, I know you're listening. I know you're listening to this. And he's just been so amazing. I mean, I I couldn't do this without him. He keeps me on task, gives me feedback, keeps the numbers organized, keeps the episodes edited and sounding good and uploaded on time. And there have been many times where I text him at midnight on a Sunday, like, oh, no, I need to fix this in an episode. And he does it, even though he probably secretly wants to strangle me. No, I'm just kidding. He's truly the nicest person I've ever met. And just everybody at Dear Media who has made this process so wonderful. Paige, Michelle, Jessica, Michaela, Emma, Ariel, uh, Chelsea. I know that there's more people. Did I say Paige and Michelle? Probably. Uh, Lauren and Michael, who own Dear Media, and I feel really lucky that they wanted to give me a shot. Just 
it's been it's been a really great year and I'm so grateful to them. So just wanted to say that before we begin. And last year on my one year anniversary, I told you guys everything that I learned in my first year of podcasting. And I'm going to do that again uh, because I learned some new things in my second year of podcasting. I have probably gone through the most life changes this past year that compared to any other year in my life, even like the year I moved out of my parents year, I got married, any of those this year has been been my year of changes. And I'm going to tell you guys some of those later on in the episode, because we are starting off with the the fan favorite, the beloved Dum Dum Club check-in. And I used to do these more. I used to do Dum Dum Club check-ins more, but they just, I, I always forget. And I've got other topics that I need to cover and they don't make it into the episode. But I am so excited to do this one because I have some of the greatest Dum Dum Club entries that I've ever received. And I can't wait for you guys to hear them. And then in the second half, I'm going to go over go over my life lessons from the past year. But if you don't know what the Dum Dum Club is, I'm going to recap it for you. Also, we just barely had new Dum Dum Club merch drop over at Dear Media because this was, I think, my second episode that I ever did. So it's been like exactly two years since I launched the Dum Dum Club. So we thought it would be a good a good time to commemorate it. I, Sorry, I'm getting way off topic, but I'm just going to go with this. The very first time I ever did merch, which was on my own, like I ordered a bunch of sweatshirts and then I put them in my car and I took them to a screen printer and then I brought them back and packaged them all. So the very first time I did that, they were Dum Dum Club sweatshirts. And then I didn't do that design anymore until now. So it's made its reappearance and you can get those on Dear Media and I'll link it in the show notes. So you can get your own. And if you don't know what the Dum Dum Club is, maybe this is your first time listening, or maybe you just haven't had a had a clear explanation of what it is. What the Dum Dum Club is, is when you realize that you've been misunderstanding something, or maybe you just thought you were correct about something. And then later on in life, you learn that you've either been saying something wrong, or you were just confused about something. This always makes more sense as I get into the entries. Sometimes I don't even know how to describe it. I invented it and I still don't know how to describe it. And yeah, it's one of those things. The Dum Dum Club is one of those things that I didn't expect to stick in the podcast. I just kind of made it on a whim. My first episode that I did about it was 25 minutes jail. But yeah, I didn't expect it to stick, but it really did. And it's become this like kind of meaningful thing. Not kind of meaningful, very meaningful thing for me because they're super funny. All of the entries are really funny and just completely unhinged and none of us are okay. We're all confused about a lot of things. But what it's really taught me is that it's actually really fun to be wrong and it's fun to learn new things and it's fun to laugh at ourselves. So that's what the Dum Dum Club is about. And everybody thinks that they don't have anything that they're confused about or they've been saying wrong or they didn't understand. But one day you'll be driving down the road and your Dum Dum Club entry will come to you and you'll realize that we're all wrong all the time and none of us are very smart. And that is amazing. So let's get into, I think this is going to be your favorite Dum Dum Club check-in of all time. And let's just begin. Okay. So first entry, she says, until high school, I thought that the circle of life ceremony from Lion King was an actual thing that happened in nature. Like when the alpha lion had a male heir that the other animals would come and celebrate. I got to say, for sure, I thought this too. I don't know if it lasted until high school, but like when you're a kid and you're watching it, you just think, why would they lie to me about this? Why would they lie? Of course this happens. And then they always tell you like they observed like lions in the wild before they animated it. You would think maybe they watched a baby lion shower. Wait, a lion baby shower? (laughs) Baby lion shower works too. Like that's kind of what it is. It's like everybody threw Simba a baby shower. And 
Honestly, I don't blame you. I would have thought that too. Next one. She says, just last week, my husband found out that Ellen DeGeneres is gay. Ellen DeGeneres. (laughs) Just the most famous lesbian of all time. I don't know if that's true, but she's for sure up there with like one of the most famous lesbians of all time. Are we all over Ellen? I mean, I feel like her show's ending. We all know she's like kind of a terrible person, right? Like that's kind of common knowledge. I don't know. It's hard because you grow up with her and you like think she's such an amazing person and then you're in your late 20s and it's kind of when everything comes crashing down anyways and Ellen, I guess, is just part of it. All right, next one. She says, please tell me that this can make me a member of the Dum Dum Club. To set this, by the way, just precursor, it does. To set the scene, my dad was having an intense surgery and was recovering in the ICU. My mom and sister were with me and we decided to go down to the hospital cafeteria. I knew I was going to start my period that day or the next, but nothing had happened. I didn't want to have to worry about bleeding everywhere or just waiting for it to come. So I asked my mom for a tampon and attempted to put it in. My (laughs) She says my Gina, but it capitalized to like the name Gina. So I'm going to say Gina. My Gina was super dry down there and the tampon would not go in. So I improvised. You guys are going to die. I had a tube of Carmex, like the kind you squeeze out like lip gloss. And I dumped half the tube in my hand, lathered up my tamp and stuck her in there. Carmex is just like petroleum jelly or aquaphor, right? Unreal pain followed. Stupid pain. I couldn't believe I thought that was a good idea. And to this day, friends and family will send me photos of Carmex wherever they're at. Okay, the reason this like freaks me out more than anything else. I'm pretty sure someone told, okay, I should fact check myself this before I, you know, broadcast it. Okay. I'm really glad I fact checked myself because I am incorrect about this. I always heard that Carmex had like fiberglass in it, like little shards of glass because then it dries out your lips and then you need more of it. Like they try and get you addicted to it, which I still kind of think, I kind of believe in that conspiracy theory just with all chapstick companies. It makes sense, right? I also have heard that about like tissue companies, like they put dust in the tissue box so that when you blow your nose, you have you like keep sniffling or you keep sneezing and then you need more tissues. I mean, it makes sense. Okay, I'm not saying I believe it. I'm just saying I don't really trust anybody in charge of any major corporation. So anyway, I always thought that about Carmex and I was just thinking, what if that was in your vagina? What if you shoved so much Carmex up there and there were little tiny shards of glass? That feels like some insane medieval torture method. Uh, But either way, Carmex does burn. I don't know what's in it that burns, but uh, yeah, not loving the idea of that inside a body cavity. All right, next up. Next Dum Dum Club entry. She says, I was today years old, 29. That's a very millennial phrase. I was today years old. Like I say that all the time and I realize it's it's very millennial of us. When I learned that sea mammals like seals and sea lions and whales and dolphins don't hold their breath or sorry, hold their breath underwater. Yep. I had no clue. All these years, I thought they had some sort of evolutionary ability to breathe under and above water. Not sure where that idea came from, but I made a comment about it while watching Finding Nemo, and my husband looked at me like I was an idiot. I am an idiot and officially a part of the Dum Dum Club. Here's the thing about Dum Dum Club entries. They always kind of make sense. Like To me, it it makes less sense that whales hold their breath. That feels way more insane to me than them being able to breathe above and underwater. So again, I don't even think it's that dumb. It also feels kind of unfair. I always think that about whales. Like, are they way mad that they have to stay in the water? Like they can't breathe under there. That must be such a nightmare. Whales are wild. Whales are really, really smart. And they also grieve. Did you know that? They grieve. 
when we take them and put them in, okay, we all know this. We're all anti-SeaWorld now. But I just think that's very interesting. I also recently learned about a dolphin who took LSD and then committed suicide. Pretty crazy. All right. Can you guys tell I did not take any Adderall today? (laughs) Okay, here we go. Uh, My whole life, I thought that in the fencing scene, in the parent trap, Annie says, I have claws and you don't. Claws like on your hands, C-L-A-W-S. Just found out it's class, not claws. Things get really confusing with a British accent. Uh, A fan favorite is when somebody who I know personally, who is a very smart person, by the way, started a new job and met one of his coworkers named Mark, but he had a British accent. And so he called him Mog, M-O-G-G. He thought his name was Mog because Mark in a British accent sounds like Mog. So good. Next up, she says, well, I truly believed that Natalie Portman and Kira Knightley were the same person up until the age of 20. This one's, these are very common, mixing up celebrities. And Natalie Portman and Kira Knightley make a lot of sense. She says, I was watching Pirates of the Caribbean with my boyfriend at the time, and I had made a comment about how much I enjoy Natalie Portman as an actress. And my boyfriend turns to me thinking I'm joking and corrects me. We all laughed it off, but I was really questioning my existence. This is made even more confusing by Star Wars because Natalie Portman, who plays Padme, she plays uh, Queen Padme Amidala. She has a decoy. So one of her like handmaidens plays like a decoy of her so that they can like transport her safely. I'm like whispering because I don't want to get this wrong because Matt will be so mad that I don't know the Star Wars lore. But anyway, her decoy is played by Kira Knightley because they look so much alike. I think it was Natalie Portman's mom who said when they were on the set of Star Wars, she couldn't tell them apart. So this one is absolutely fair. Sometimes people get really weird celebrities mixed up that have nothing to do with each other, such as one entry that I got where someone told me they get Tony Hawk and Stephen Hawking mixed up. (laughs) They are not the same, have never acted together. Uh, They do not play each other's twins or anything similar to that. Uh, They don't even have the same career. I'm also pretty sure that Stephen Hawking is not alive. Actually, I know that for sure. But he died recently. He, He lived to be pretty old. All right. Next up, next Dum Dum Club, she says, I've never told anyone this, but up until I was a junior in high school, I need you guys to emotionally prepare for this one. Okay. Just take a deep breath. I thought that the penis entered the belly button of a woman during sex. Apparently I didn't even know about the existence of vaginas. Let me reemphasize. I was 17 years old and yet I insisted that I wasn't sheltered. Hmm. Let's not even go into the logistics of this because no part of it makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, this, this, unfortunately, um, I've heard before. I've heard actually many times and I worry. I just, I'm just worried about all of our brains. Quite honestly, I will tell you how I found out about sex. (laughs) Okay. Kids are listening. Just either haven't plugged their ears or I guess I'm giving them a sex talk right now. So bless my parents' heart. They really did try. They, my mom really did try to give me the sex talk. I would plug my ears and scream my lungs out if she even tried. Like, I, I don't blame her for not even attempting like more than five times because I was a nightmare. So I didn't know anything about it, but I did love Boy Meets World. So I remember watching. So so Corey and Topanga get married and then it shows them like in they're They're like in bed, but they're like not touching and like they're completely covered, but they're laying there. And then in the next episode or like a couple episodes later, Topanga's pregnant. And I remember Corey says this line to her. He says, we, we took a little bit of me and a little bit of you and we made a baby. And I remember thinking, but all they did was make out. So that 
that's what I thought. I just thought you made out in bed and then all of a sudden you just get pregnant. You just have to make out for like a really long time. And then my best friend, I remember I was in fourth grade. This is so crass what I'm about to say. So I just, I'm really sorry about it. But what she told me, her parents like took her out to dinner and gave her the whole rundown of everything, which to me was like, honestly, my nightmare. But I was like, wait, am I wrong? Is it not just like you make out? And here's what she told me. She said, (laughs) the boy thing goes in the girl thing and it makes a bunch of sticky stuff. And then the sticky stuff makes a bubble and then a baby grows inside. And honestly, not too far off. (laughs) It really did fuel me until I could really learn the logistics of it. So I feel pretty happy that I knew early on. But yeah, I've, I've had this submission before. There's also, I've seen other influencers talk about this, like they do question boxes, and then they talk about, you know, like the belly button thing. And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm from Utah that I just know a lot of people who thought this. It's so upsetting. It's so upsetting. Also, nothing makes me feel instant barf feeling than like, a jab in my belly button. Oh, I'm touching my belly button right now and I want to die. So yeah, can't imagine that that would be pleasurable for anybody. Let's move on. Oh, this one's, this one's funny. She says, (laughs) she says my whole life I've called rain and snow snain. My husband informed me it's actually called slate. And I'm here to let you know, it's actually called sleet. These ones are the best, the best entries when people are like, I remember one I got that was like, I just found out Alaska is an island. And I was like, no, you were right beforehand. I actually do like the word stain. Maybe we should adopt that. Uh, But no, rain and snow together, like that slushy stuff that is called sleet. So I'm not saying I'm a genius, but you're welcome. Okay, next up, she says, not sure if this submission has ever been read before, but I genuinely didn't know there were no boy cows. Boy cows are bulls. Cows are all girls. Bulls and cows are the same species. My husband works on a farm and he still makes fun of me for thinking this to this day. You never really see cows with anything else though. Or if you do, you just don't notice. Like you always see a field of cows. Why would you ever think like, oh, there's no boys in there? You would just think, oh, there's a family of cows. I like to figure I like to kind of uh, trace back how you guys get to these conclusions because there's always a reasonable explanation. Like one of them that was just mentioned in the Facebook group is the term make ends meet, like meet M-E-E-T is the saying, but some people thought it was meet M-E-A-T. And then they always have like these really like quite detailed and honestly smart explanations. Like I thought it had to do with like, you know, bringing home the bacon or something like that, making ends meet, like something like that. So I like, I like where your head's at guys. (laughs) This This one might be my favorite ever. She says, I thought seahorses were the size of actual horses. (laughs) How terrifying is that? Until I was 18 in college, a friend told me he once had a seahorse as a pet. And I was like, where'd you keep it? The pool? Yeah, no, seahorses are tiny. Don't know how I ever don't know how I never learned that. Also, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a seahorse give birth. It's it's horrifying. The only good part is that it is the males who give birth in the seahorse species. But just go go watch a YouTube of a male seahorse giving birth. And just picture that being the size of a horse. The most unsettling image I could ever imagine. Okay, next one. She says, I learned this year on a road trip that when you're in a gas station, when you're at a gas station and it asks you if you want to purchase a car wash, it isn't talking about the squeegee you can use for your windshield. 
So up to this point, because of my stupid moral compass, I have never used a gas station squeegee because I thought they were so overpriced. This is the best. She ends it with, who even knew gas stations had car washes? <laughs> I mean, I will say, I do feel it's it's kind of common knowledge that uh, gas stations have car washes. But I mean, good, good on you for never stealing it. When I first started reading this, I thought she was going to say I would pay like the $6 or whatever to use the squeegee. Either way, you're being honest. And now we all know, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's who's never used it for this reason. Uh, have at it. Have at it with those squeegees. Okay, next. A few weeks ago, I explained the term woke up and chose violence to my sister. She's not on social media much, so she's not well-versed in modern internet vernacular. A few days later, she corrected me when I said I woke up and chose violence. And she said, no, it's picked violence. And I said, I mean, I guess that works, but it's not the saying. She was like, chose doesn't make any sense. It's picked. You don't choose flowers. You pick them. I was like, what are you talking about? Where did the flowers come from? Turns out she thought the saying was woke up and picked violets, <laughs> the flowers. It doesn't make any sense why picking a flower has anything to do with snarky or chaotic behavior, but I thought it was funny and cute and she made it work in her mind. See, we always make it work. I love that one. Okay. This one blew my mind. I didn't know this. I did not know this. And I'm really hoping you guys learn this too for the first time. She says, I learned that the mystery flavor of dum-dums, the suckers, that's funny that this, it's a dum-dum. Anyway, uh, isn't just a regular flavor wrapped in mystery wrapping. No, it's an actual mystery. It's the suckers made when they're in the middle of switching flavors. I was the only one at a whole dinner party who didn't know this. First of all, what kind of dinner party are you at where everyone knows that? I've never heard of that. I'll put it up on my Instagram to see if you guys have heard of this because I have I didn't know that. Next one, any millennial who grew up with the old food pyramid probably thought this at one point or, an, or another. Until I was 20 years old, I thought that eggs were considered dairy. For some reason in like seventh grade home economics class. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, I could have sworn we put eggs with the dairy food group on those my plate things. And because chickens are raised on farms with cows, I just thought it was all considered dairy. Nope. Only cow products are dairy. The amount of times I probably sounded so dumb and didn't know it. Huh? Also, other products are considered dairy, like goat cheese and other things that don't come from cows. I mean, yeah, I did. I did know this, but I also want to add. So I got really into learning about Judaism. I'm sure I've mentioned this before because I can't seem to shut up. I just I'm so fascinated by it because I didn't know anything about it. I never knew any Jewish people growing up. So I've loved learning about it. And for people who keep kosher, they don't mix meat or dairy. You don't eat meat and dairy in the same in the same meal. And you usually wait like an extended period of time between eating meat and dairy However, eggs are considered parav or neutral. So you can eat them with either thing because they aren't meat or dairy, which feels weird to my millennial brain who grew up with that food pyramid. I'm like, no, they've got to be because they're like protein. So they've got to be in meat, but they're dairy because I don't know, like eggs seemed, I don't even know why, but I'm with you. And yep, they're neither meat nor dairy. So there you go. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Apostrophe. You know when you have a big event coming up and you're planning it for weeks and weeks and weeks and you're so excited and your skin's looking amazing and then the day before you break out. That happens to me basically every single time. Pretty sure we've all experienced this. We all have struggles with our skin and that's why I'm so excited to partner with Apostrophe. 
Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. All you have to do is fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history, and then you snap a few selfies, send it on over, and a board-certified dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan. I'm an esthetician, so you guys ask me all the time, where do I start on my skincare? How do I build out a good routine? Apostrophe is the place to go, whether you're fighting aging, acne, maybe you just want a simple skincare routine that's not confusing. Apostrophe is the best starting point. I also have a special deal for my audience. You can save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash bad when you use my code bad. This is only available to bad broadcast listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash bad and click begin visit then use the code BAD at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash BAD. Use the code BAD to get your first dermatologist crafted treatment plan for $5. Thank you to Apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast. This episode of the BAD broadcast is brought to you by Seed. I was so thrilled about partnering with Seed because you guys know I've spent like the last two plus years trying to figure out my gut health. And you guys ask me, where do I start on my gut health journey? You got to get a good probiotic, but not all probiotics are created equal. That's why I'm very excited to tell you that Seeds DS1 Daily Symbiotic is the real deal. It's a broad spectrum two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic. And it also, their capsules protect against stomach acid, digestion enzymes, and bile salts, which means they will be viable through your digestion. Let me tell you something. If you've taken a probiotic before and you never felt a difference, it's probably because the good bacteria wasn't surviving your GI tract. Seed is designed differently and that's why it works. So it can get all the way down into your small intestine and your colon, which is where it needs to get. So I wake up with a hot girl hangover basically every morning. That has nothing to do with alcohol. It just has to do with bloating. So not only will seed support the ease of bloating and healthy regularity and ease of evacuation, if you know what I mean, but it will also support your gut barrier, your skin health, your heart health, and your micronutrient synthesis. Many see improvements in digestion within 24 hours, which can include bowel movement regularity and ease of bloating. So start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com slash bad and use the code bad to redeem 20% off of your first month of Seed's DS1 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash bad and use the code bad for 20% off of your first month. She says, okay, I win. I totally win this one. When I was 16 to 18, whenever I would fill up my car with gas, I would stand there holding down the gas pump manually. I thought you had to do that and guess when it was full enough. I don't know why I thought that. Maybe I thought it would overflow or something. It was only when I saw Hank, a Hank Green TikTok explaining how the gas pump stops automatically that I realized I'd been doing it wrong in the past two years. The thing is, I got really good at guessing when my gas was full. I knew it would be right or right at or near the full sign on my gas gauge. I truly don't know how I did this because I didn't even know how many gallons my car could hold. Now I know it's 11. My aunt still gives me crap for it now and then, which I totally deserve. Also, I would like to make a PSA saying posting gas prices with a Joe Biden sticker saying I did that is not unique or funny anymore. Please stop. It's been going on for months. Anyway, love you. Love the pop. 
I didn't even see that that Joe Biden part. Yeah, people like it's it's the least interesting joke. Not funny, not unique, uh, not interesting. Doesn't make you edgy. Nobody cares. Okay, next she says, "I'm embarrassed why I thought this, but I was under the impression that the phrase double fisting meant you put two hands up someone's butthole." I was then in a situation where someone had a drink in both hands, and I learned correctly. <laughs> I will say. You're not that far off. I mean, people use the term fisting for a single fist. So it makes sense when somebody said double fisting that you thought it meant two. But like what a bionic butthole. If you can fit two fists up there. Oh, my. No, thank you. Moving along. (laughs) This episode got weird quick. She says, apparently Mike Myers and Michael Myers are two different people. This whole time, whenever people talked about the serial killer, Michael Myers, I thought they were referring to the man who played Cat in the Hat. Yes, I just want to clarify. I'm not sure if she's clear on this, but I do want to say the Michael Myers serial killer is fictional. So that does help. He's in Halloween. Wait, Nightmare on Elm Street? Halloween. Halloween? Yes. And yeah, Mike Myers definitely plays Shrek and the Cat in the Hat. Where is he now? Where is he now? I wonder. Shrek is my favorite uh, animated movie. Whoa, that's actually, that's a bold claim. That's a bold claim. I've had some, some, some other animated films come up. I love Turning Red and I love Soul. But Shrek and Shrek 2, they're in my top five. Okay, next one. I feel like people are going to learn this from this one. I just learned that sitcom is short for situational comedy. I thought they were stand-up comedians and sitting comedians because sitcoms generally involve a lot of sitting, like they sit in a coffee shop a lot in Friends. I love this one. There's sit-down comedy and there's stand-up comedy. I would like to be the first sit-down comedian. If that's a genre that we're adopting, count me in. If there was a lay-down comedian, I would be that one. (laughs) Next, she says, my best friend just asked me, is Kermit the Frog a lizard or a turtle? <laughs> when, I, when I read that, I did look up a picture. And honestly, it's completely fair. He does look like a turtle. He does. Okay, uh, next. She says, I was at Walmart and the lady at the cash, cash register had a pin on her vest that said veteran. I said, wow, how long do you have to work here to earn that pin? <laughs> nope, she was an actual military veteran. No idea why I assumed it was just a special display of your long tenure at Walmart. Oh my gosh, I love that one. Just a Walmart vet. Oh, next, my sister thought Lance Armstrong got cancer from going to the moon. Lance Armstrong and Neil Armstrong, those, those are tough ones. Those are, uh, yeah, those ones are very, very commonly mixed up. Lance Armstrong is the cyclist who I think has one testicle and uses steroids. Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon, supposedly, if space is even real. Okay, next. I was eating jalapeno lime tortilla chips, chips from Costco, and I told my husband they kind of taste like Doritos and how weird that was. Then he informed me that Doritos are tortilla chips. I don't know why, but I feel lied to. Honestly, I even I knew this, but I kind of feel lied to. Why don't we use Doritos in place of tortilla chips more often? Like, why don't restaurants serve Doritos and guac? Like, I feel like that should be more utilized. I love a plain tortilla chip. Don't get me wrong, but I prefer a Dorito. I don't know. All right. Next, she says, hey, I can't believe I'm sharing this, but growing up, <laughs> growing up, I thought that when someone sneezed, you made a fake sneeze sound back them, back at them to make them not feel awkward for sneezing. 
Or like you would say, bless you. Like, like, I feel like this needs a little more explanation. Like she thought when somebody sneezed, you're supposed to respond to them in a fake sneeze noise to make them feel comfortable. And more often than not, that fake sneeze noise was bless you. I was a freshman in college when someone called me out and asked what I said. Of course, they told me you're supposed to say, bless you, a freshman in college. Somebody sneezes and then you just look them in the eye and just go, bless you, <laughs> just to make them feel, just to make them not feel as bad. Okay, next. My friend didn't know what scrotum meant until he was well into his 20s. He thought it meant house. What? So he would say things, it's hotter than the devil's scrotum. And he thought it was, he was saying, it's hotter than the devil's house. This is the worst. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. That is number one. I hate it. I hate it so much. Uh, Not mine, but I witnessed it. I'm a residential pool service technician, and I meet a lot of people and their dogs. One customer had a dachshund or a wiener dog. That word is ridiculous. That's what this, this one's about. That had a really long fur with a rusty brown color. I thought it was a cool dog, and I said, what kind of dog is he? The lady replied, it's a douche hound, pronounced just like douche. I asked if she meant dachshund, and she said, nope, I think it's a douche hound. <laughs> it's so it's hard to hold in my laugh. Homegirl was committed to it, so you got to admire that, right? So yeah, the dog that's spelled D-A-C-H-S-H-U-N-D, like a wiener dog, that is pronounced dachshund. I, honestly, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but I have called it, I, I'm sure like in the last three years, I've learned that that's what it's called. I'd probably say dot. Yeah, I don't even know what I would have said. I probably just wouldn't have said it out loud because I would be so confused. But yeah, that's how you say that dog name. Stupid. All right, next one. Every time when shopping for eggs, I would look at the different options. And on some of them, it's marked cage free. I never gave it much thought, but I would say to myself, I don't know what cage is, but I definitely don't want it in my eggs. Like I thought it was an additive or a disease or something. I about died when I realized what cage free means. And I wondered how I've made it this far in life. <laughs> These ones are the best because like there was one, I don't know if I picked, picked it, but somebody's husband thought that super tampons were like better quality. Like you could buy regular that are worse quality and then super are like really high end. So he's like, why would you not just buy the super ones? It's like, why would they sell purposely ones that are worse quality? So same with eggs. It's like, Hey, do you maybe want a disease in your eggs or maybe not? Sounds like a Nathan for you bit. Okay. Next one. She says, we we're playing a trivia game on new year's Eve a couple years ago. I had a card that had dealt with something in Des Moines. I read it and I pronounced it as Desmonez. Everyone started asking what Desmonez was. So I showed them the card and was quickly told it's pronounced Des Moines. All this time I had been pronouncing it wrong and I was the laughing stock at the New Year's Eve party. I mean, if it was pronounced Desmonez, I bet that would make the city a little bit more interesting. I feel why do I feel like Des Moines, Iowa is like the lamest city in America? Correct me if I'm wrong. Coming from somebody who lives in Salt Lake City. I should shut the hell up. Okay, next she says, I was playing code names with a bunch of friends and I was the person giving the code words. My words were airplane, car, and skyscraper. I decided that gasoline would be the perfect code word for the three. If you haven't played code words, I, I, I can't say I recommend it because I cry every single time we've played it. I cry basically every family game night. One of my brothers for sure makes me cry. Uh, but code names has been the culprit like three times in a row. Anyway, she says, after insisting several times that it was the perfect code word, and then losing the game, my team made me explain which word they had missed and why. I suddenly realized 
that growing up, I thought the jets that flew across the sky and leave a white trail were called skyscrapers. I have lived in New York City and I still messed this up. (laughs) See, but the logic is there. The logic is absolutely there. They are scraping the sky. How are you to know it's about a building and not a plane? Okay, I didn't know what the relationship line was for a medical form for school for way too long. One time I filled out a paper about my sister and at the bottom it said relationship with a blank line. We had a rocky relationship at the time, so I thought I was being kind when I wrote the words, pretty good. (laughs) I found out years later that the correct answer would have been sister. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine what they thought when they were looking through that. It's like, how's your relationship? That's all right. We're doing okay. We're doing pretty average, but uh, we could do better. I mean, honestly, we're in therapy. Things are going okay. They're like, "Mm, we just need you to put it to your sister. Okay, those are all the Dumb Dumb Club entries that we have. Again, that is always linked in my Instagram bio. You can submit those all the time. I do want to start doing them more. And yeah, get your get your Dumb Dumb Club merch if you are also an idiot like the rest of us. I didn't know when I began my own career that one of my titles would be, you know, president of the Dumb Dumb Club, like grand marshal of the idiots. I didn't I didn't know that, that was coming, uh, but I wear it proudly. I really do. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Let's discuss all of the ways we can take care of our brains. For me, it's getting enough sleep, it's eating right, it's spending time with people I love, it's consuming content that makes me feel good. Think about how well you would take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life. That is exactly how our brains work. So why don't we treat them that way? How we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking that nap. There's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. Therapy has helped me through all of the toughest times of my life. And on top of that, even when I'm not going through something really difficult, I like to have therapy just kind of as an upkeep. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat therapy sessions. So if you don't like seeing people on camera, you don't even have to. It's also way more affordable than in-person therapy. I know that's something that holds people back from finding a therapist. It can get expensive and BetterHelp is way, way more affordable. You can also be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. My listeners will get 10% off of their first month at betterhelp.com slash bad. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash bad. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash bad. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzlar and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out. Okay, let's move on to our second half of the episode, which is what I have learned this year in podcasting. Like I said, this this year of my life has come with a lot of changes. 
a lot of personal changes, maybe not a whole lot of life changes, you know, no, didn't, didn't get pregnant, didn't, you know, get married, didn't break up with anybody. The most personal changes have come this year. So I've made this list and I'm sure that I'll be able to add to this, but this, these were the ones that came to mind. I sat down and wrote them down and let's go over them. Let's, let's commemorate two years of the podcast by discussing everything I learned in my second year of podcasting. So the first thing I put on my list is just two words, autonomy and accountability. And these two words mean a lot to me because they kind of go hand in hand. When you are acting autonomously, when you are becoming your own person, when you are separating yourself from the opinions of others, that also comes with the burden of accountability. You can't blame anybody else for your decisions. You can't blame anybody else for your feelings. So if you choose to live an autonomous life, which I personally believe is the best way to live, you shouldn't feel dependent on anybody's opinions or anything like that. But with that, you have to take accountability. It's also, for me, the key to a good relationship, whether that's a friendship, you know, mother, daughter, siblings, marriage, whatever it is, you need to give people their autonomy and they need to give that to you. And then what you can give back to them is taking accountability for your actions and your thoughts and the things that you do. Next thing that I learned, and this is from the four agreements. I think I mentioned it last week. I, it's my new favorite thing. But the number one thing that I took away from that book is one of the agreements is don't take anything personally because nothing people do is about you. Nothing. I know that feels hard to believe, especially when you have a close relationship with somebody. It feels like when they're doing something, it's a no-brainer that it has to do with you. If it's they're doing something directed at you, it's hard to believe that it could have nothing to do with you, but it really doesn't. Everybody is operating from their own, you know, self standpoint. Not I'm not saying it's selfish. I'm just saying we can't operate from any other any other perspective except our own. And everything other people do is about them. No matter what, that is a blanket true statement. And that has helped me immensely in this last year, especially with the podcast growing, getting feedback from people, getting insults from people, getting people pushing back on my opinions, on my things like that. And it it has nothing to do with me, even though it's directed at me. It has everything to do with their life experiences, with their relationships, with their mood, with their beliefs. I could never possibly take responsibility for making somebody feel something that is contingent upon their experiences. So always remember that never, ever, ever take anything personally. Okay. My next thing that I've learned, it's okay to not be ambitious. It's okay. You don't have to be ambitious if you don't want to be. You don't have to start an Etsy shop and hope to sell $5 million a year. You can just do something for fun and you can just do something that pays the bills and maybe pays for a Taco Bell run every now and then. You do not have to have this absurd amount of ambition where you want to retire by 40 and have $5 million in the bank and be able to fly private and all these things. You don't even have to work hard. You really don't. It's okay. To me, like this year, I've, I've tried to learn a lot about, you know, abundance mindset and lack mentality and all of those things. And to me, being overly ambitious is kind of like living in a lack mentality because it kind of makes you feel like nothing you do is good enough. That's at least how I felt at like my most ambitious. I just kept telling myself nothing I'm doing is enough. 
I have to be doing more. Nothing I'm doing is good enough. I have to try harder. I have to do better. And finally, this is like a new development for me as as in like the last few weeks. I was like, I'm so content. I'm so thrilled with where I am. I'm so happy that I like my job. I'm so happy that we can, you know, go get a burrito every now and then and we can rent a movie on iTunes. I don't need $10 million in the bank and I don't even care if I have it or not. And I thought that was like breaking some cardinal rule. Like we all had to make sure that we were being so overly ambitious all the time. But you know what? It's fine to just chill. It's fine. If you're happy with your job, if you're happy with your income, if you're happy with where things are, you can just let it be. You can just love where you're at and not put all this pressure on yourself to hurry up and be ambitious and make it to some imaginary arbitrary goal line by the time you're 35. You can just like your life. It's a it's a beautiful thing to love your life where it's at. I think more of us should focus on loving where we are instead of hating where we are to propel us forward. It's like the same kind of concept with your body. You can't hate yourself into a version that you love. You can't hate your life into a version of it that you love. You can just love everything about your life right now, even if it's not, you know, perfect, even if there's things you would change. You can work on those. You can work to change things. You can, you know, get a raise, all those things. I'm just saying you don't have to commit your life to always trying to level up. You can just chill. Okay, my next one. It's going to shock some of you. All right. It's going to shock. It's going to shock and amaze you all. And it's give the outdoors a chance. And I'm speaking from experience as a, as a former outdoor hating person. Like my whole life, I've always hated hiking. I would rather die than go camping. I don't want to be outside ever. I used to not even like the beach because I thought that the only thing that was going on was that it was dirty and hot and a workout. I thought that was the only thing going on outside. Turns out outside, pretty magical. It's pretty magical. Here's, I have a few tips for like how to like the outdoors as somebody who doesn't want to do anything hard and who is a self-proclaimed lazy girl. Sorry, I hiccuped. First one, go outside early in the morning. I never said that you had to go outside at 3 p.m. in July, but waking up really early and getting outside where it's crisp and it's cool and it's like nothing weather, nothing weather is the best. Like you don't need, like you can wear a sweater if you want, but you don't have to. That is the best. Buy the cutest clothes possible. Everything is fun when you have a cute outfit. I'm not saying it has to be like some extravagant, you know, hiker girl outfit. I'm just saying get a pair of leggings that you like wearing. Get a cool pair of hiking boots. Get a backpack with one of those weird straw things that like, you know, you drink out of your backpack, whatever. Camelbacks, get one of those. Are you kidding me? How fun are those? Find little things that excite you about them if you want to. With all this said, if you hate outside, I do not blame you. If it's not for you, totally fine. But I just have realized, especially this summer, because we really, Matt and I have really been trying to absorb as much Utah as we possibly can. Like if we ever move, I don't want to look back and be like, wow, we never saw Utah. We never took advantage of where we lived. So we've been really trying to do that this year. And I have loved it. Don't do anything too strenuous. You can do a nature walk. You can do half a hike. You can do three steps into a hike and turn around. I'm not saying like dedicate your time to eight hour backpacking trips. I'm just saying that being outside has been more healing for me than ever before. Okay. Next one. You are responsible for your feelings. You are responsible for your anxieties. You are responsible for your 
insecurities. You're responsible for your anger. You are responsible for them. They are inside of you. They are yours to take care of. They are not anybody else's burden. I know that feels weird and maybe wrong. To me, it felt very wrong for a long time. I thought that the anxieties I was feeling were something that I needed to take to somebody else and have them mitigate those feelings, have them make me feel better. Turns out the anxiety you're feeling in your body is yours and you can actually take care of it. I know it seems like when you're having anxiety about a a person, the only thing that can help you is that person. But it's not true because this goes with my next part, which is you are capable. You are capable emotionally, spiritually, and physically to deal with your emotions. And this is actually, it's been my new mantra that I've been saying every morning that what I feel inside is mine to take care of before I take it to other people. And that goes for them as well. They have to take care of their stuff before they bring it to me. I am responsible for mine. They are responsible for theirs. Key to a good relationship. I'm telling you, it's dealing with your shit before you bring it to somebody. And again, this is new for me. This is new for me. I thought that if my anxiety was fueled by something good, like I thought if I was like, well, I just want, you know, comfort about this because I want them to feel good or I want them to feel, you know, I had all of these backup reasons of why my anxiety was something that I should bring to other people and something I should rely on other people to qualm. Uh, Turns out that was my anxiety talking. (laughs) Turns out that was something else. That was not the reality of what was going on. That was my comfort zone of anxiety. I've lived in a very comfortable place with my anxiety for a long time. And I thought that it was part of me. I thought that it was just me. I thought that if people wanted a relationship with me, then that came with anxiety. It's not a part of you. It's not a defining quality of you. It's not your personality. It's a separate thing that you can deal with, that you are capable of dealing with. I read this quote, my friend Chloe posted it, and I thought it was just, it was one of the best things I've ever read. So I wanted to, I want to read it to you guys. She says, or Chloe posted this, but it's from a a book called The Mountain Is You. And it says, though your emotions are always valid and need to be validated, they are hardly ever an accurate measure of what you are capable of in life. They are not always an accurate reflection of reality. All your feelings know is what you've done in the past, and they are attached to what they've drawn comfort from. So the anxieties that you're feeling you go back to what has helped you in the past, what has helped you feel comfort. That's all it is. It's a comfort zone. It's not a reflection of reality. It's not a magical warning that somebody is mad at you when you have the anxiety that, you know, a friend is bothered with you. That is not some divine intervention of you reading their mind and them thinking, wow, I really hope Maddie says something because I'm really mad at her. So then it sends like an automatic signal to your gut for you to feel anxiety to make sure that you apologize to them. That's not reality. That's not what's happening. It's going to a comfort zone place. So I don't want to say like keep your anxiety in because I know that sounds backwards. I know it sounds like don't express your emotions, but it's more like sit with it, dig into it, get to know it, and then weed it out so that you don't put that burden on other people around you. And that's what the people in your life should do for you. Okay. That was a big one. That was, that was a, that's been a hard lesson for me to learn. And honestly, it's been in like the last few days that it's really, (laughs) it's really set in for me. So again, I'm on this, I'm on this, I'm on this journey with you. I'm not, I'm not giving this advice as somebody who has completed all of this. I'm giving this advice as somebody who's learning these things along the way. Okay. This is kind of a repeat for me, but girl code is a lie. Mom code is a lie. Supporting women 
is the truth. We have all these weird like girl code, mom code. You know, I post on my Instagram story. It's mom code to bring snacks for everybody. You know, whatever. It's not. It's not emotionally supporting women, physically supporting that, spiritually supporting women. That's what it should be about. That's what it should be about. It should not be about you expecting other people to live by some rule that you have created for yourself. Hmm. Are we getting into it? I guess we are. This will be quick because I did several rants about it on my Instagram, but it is why I am pro choice. It's why I'm pro choice. And I know I don't talk about religion or politics, blah, 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 blah. This is very appropriate for me to bring up right now because not because I want to tell anybody that they're wrong or not because I anything like that, but I want to explain why I am pro choice. And it's because I could not possibly understand every single nuance and complexity of somebody else's life, which means I will never, ever have the right to decide how somebody else lives. Just because I have my own beliefs and my own spirituality and morals and uh, desires and all of those things, no part of me is ever going to be qualified to decide those things for somebody else. And that is why I, I am pro-choice, why I will remain pro-choice. I understand that you may live your life with certain beliefs or a religion that identifies with being pro-life or any of those things. I just want to encourage people to look at themselves and say, I don't think that I can dictate how somebody else lives. And that includes somebody's body, somebody's pregnancy, somebody's baby. That, that includes mom code. That includes girl code. You can have your own set of rules in your life, absolutely. And if they fulfill you and they make you better and, and kinder and more empathetic and they improve your life in every possible way, then you should hold on to that. You should hold on to those rules and never let them go. But remember, you can't decide that for other people. All you can do is love and support other women. That, that's it. That's, that's the only role you can serve. You, you can't give anybody advice on what is best for them. You can't, I mean, you can offer, you know, your thoughts, you can offer what you think you would do, but you cannot decide for somebody else. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Next, get the heat off your hair. Stop putting heat on your hair. We all straightened the shit out of our hair in high school. And then we look back and we're like, why does all of our hair look so terrible? And yet here we are curling it and straightening it and blow drying it and doing all that, myself included. And you know what? I think we should go heatless. I'm going to try and do a heatless. Okay. This is really ambitious for me, so I'm not even going to try, but I am going to try and do more heatless things. Let's get our hair. Let's get our hair back on track. Okay. Next one. This has been my life rule forever. And I'm now sharing it with you guys. You don't have to watch anything new. You don't have to watch any new movies or any new TV shows, and you don't have to listen to any new music. I have been listening to the same music since I was like 16. Not a joke. I have loved the same bands and the same songs. My Spotify wrapped the same every single year, unless Taylor Swift has a new album. Every single year, it's all the same songs. And I used to feel this weird guilt, like I wasn't absorbing enough like art. No, you don't have to watch any shows that anybody suggests to you. And you know what you especially don't have to do? I hate when people come to you and they're like, you got to watch this show, but you have to make it through like the first eight seasons and then it gets really good. No, I don't because I'm not going to watch it anyway. I don't want to. I don't want to. Like I, Matt and I both love Succession, but I think it takes a little bit to get into. And so I don't ever suggest it to people because I don't want people to have to sit through it. Matt and I just happen to get through it and like it. I don't suggest it because I hate when people do that to me. 
But if you don't want to watch anything new, if all you want to do is do what I do and watch Disney Plus and like the eight movies you grew up watching and that's it, that's fine. Don't let people shame you for that. We do no art shaming here. Any type of art that you want to ingest is wonderful. Okay, next one. The only thing you can know for sure is that you'll never know anything for sure. This one was, this one's hard. This one's hard. I haven't ever talked about my, uh, my faith deconstruction and kind of transition. And I'm going to, spoiler alert, I'm not going to get into it right now. I'm not going to get into all the details. One day I will. One day when I've kind of sorted it out and yeah, I'm, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because anybody who has deconstructed or who has gone through a faith crisis of any type knows that it's really, really hard. And it's hard, especially because it's something that you knew for sure. It's something that you had absolutely no doubt about. And then you have to come to the conclusion that you actually don't know anything for sure. And that can be a really scary feeling. For me, it feels a lot like free fall all the time. It feels like, how can I even go on if I don't know anything for sure? And I have had to kind of rebrand it in my brain. I've had to find the excitement of not knowing anything for sure, because that means every single possible option is yours. That means anything you want to believe, anything you want to practice or do or read or say, any of that is available to you. So while it feels really good to know things for sure, and it feels really good to have kind of a rock solid understanding of something, it's actually bigger and better and in my opinion, more beautiful to have every single door at your disposal. You can walk walk in and out of any room you want to. You can believe something one day and not believe it the next day. And while that does feel like free fall and it feels like how could I possibly go on, just know that you are now have access to all of the good things that life can offer. If you do know something for sure, if you are very rock solid in, in your faith and it's bringing you a lot of joy and it's bringing you no confusion, hold on to it. You know, I'm not here to tell you to step away from that. Not at all. I'm not saying that that's that's the wrong way to live. I'm saying that if you are like me and you really want to know something for sure, just know that you'll never know anything for sure. And there's a lot of fun behind that. Something else that that I have learned uh, recently, thanks to Lucy, buy things secondhand, guys. If you really want a Dyson, I promise you somebody is selling a used Dyson that works perfectly that's half price. I bought the Apple AirPod Maxes, which by the way are not worth $600, but I bought them secondhand and I love them. We got our couch, not I mean it was used, but it's from it was from the store so whatever, but basically secondhand. You can buy anything secondhand. <laughs> Didn't know. Didn't know that till this year. Uh okay. Next one. Turns out staying up late is actually kind of fun. I've been an early bird for the last like six years. I always thought that I needed to go to bed early because that was the productive thing to do. That's what people do when they are being ambitious and living a productive life. Well, after I gave up ambition, I also gave up stay or going to bed early and staying up late is so rebellious and so fun. Have you guys ever made a quesadilla at 3 a.m.? I'm sorry, but it was the most fun I've ever had. Why am I not doing that every single night? Watching a TV show in the in the quiet of the night? Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. All right, next. It's easier to say no than to bail. I used to be a bailer, big old bailer over here. I used to cancel right before, 
And I knew I would do it. I always knew I would cancel. Like I would say yes to things that I didn't even want to go to. And then I would bail. You guys, did you know you can just say no? And you don't even have to give a reason. Did you know that if somebody invites you to something, you can just say, well, you know, I can't make it. I actually can't make it that night. They, they don't have to know why. Maybe you can't make it because you are literally just sitting on your floor and that sounds more fun. You don't have to tell anybody, but it is way, way easier to just, just say no. Just say no to plans. It's way easier to do that than to bail because then you don't have to stress about it. You don't have to think up an excuse. You don't have to worry about how they're going to react. When somebody asks you to do something, if you know it's not going to be the funnest possible option, I can't make it. And they say, all right, maybe next time. You say, yeah, probably not, but <laughs> just kidding. Don't say that. Uh, but it is easier to say no than to bail. Next one. Have blisters ever been worth it? No. Wear the Crocs. Wear the Crocs, wear the slippers, wear the comfy shoes. Blisters have never, ever, ever been worth it. I don't care how cute they are. I don't care how cute, 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 how cute the chunky boot is, the sandal, the ankle strap, the heel, whatever. Who cares? Wear the Crocs. None of you are wearing Crocs enough. I get that they're ugly, but you know what? Let me let, let you in on a little secret. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They're a great conversation starter and they never give you blisters. Wear the Crocs. Okay, here's my last one. You can listen to advice without taking it. And so can other people. You can, you can hear what other people have to say and you can respect their opinion on what you should do. You can take it with a grain of salt, especially if it's somebody that you love and trust. You can listen to their advice and you can hold it in you and you don't have to do exactly what they're saying. If you are starting a business, like say you're starting a podcast and somebody says, you know, I really, you know what you should do? You know what you should do? That phrase right there gets me when people say, you know what you should do? No. I mean, I'll listen. I'll listen to what they have to say. I'll consider it. I'll take it in. But then I'm going to act on what feels the best to me. And I always thank people for giving me advice or when they think I should do something or whatever. And before I used to think, well, if somebody told me I should do something, then I obviously have to do it. If a person that I trust is saying, you know what you should do? I have to do it. No, you don't. You can respect people's opinions and advice without doing it. But of course, that does go this, the opposite way. You can also offer advice and you can't be offended if people don't take it. You can't be offended because they have to do what feels true to them. And if I've learned anything, if I've learned anything major, I mean, I have learned several major things this last year, but at the end of the day, you have to listen to your inner voice whether that's whatever you consider that to be, your conscience, your higher self, whatever, you have to listen to her. You got to get in there. You got to figure out what feels the most true to you. And then you can't care what other people say about it. And it's like that quote that says, the more you know, the more you love your decisions, the less you need other people to love them. Hate that it's true. Hate when Pinterest quotes turn out to be true. You guys know that. It's no way to live if you're only living for the approval of other people. That, that's not what this is about. That's not why we're here. That's not what's going to make you happy. That's not what's going to make them happy. I know we've all experienced this. And like Matt and I, have, I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, a lot of people close to me as I've gone through changes with things. I always say, you know, I can lie. I can lie to you if you want me to. If you want me to lie about how I feel or who I am or what I believe, I, I will. But I value this relationship too much to lie to you about who I am and what I believe. And if people in your life don't consider that enough, if you being yourself is not enough for those people, then that's not a relationship for you because you should be able to be completely and wholly yourself exactly as they are. 
And it's not fair to be in relationships with people who want you to shave off parts of yourself to fit their mold of you, their expectation of you. So listen to yourself and literally nobody else. You can listen to people's advice, sure, but you got to take it to the the girl inside. You got to take it to yourself and you got to make sure that you're making decisions for you. That's my biggest lesson that I've learned. So I guess that can be summed up in like being true to yourself. It's like the most common phrase that we heard in elementary school. Just be true to you. Uh, But it's a lot deeper than that. And I know that all of us in our, uh, I mean, I know everybody listening is ranging in ages, but for where I am, you know, in my late 20s, I know so many women who are going through the same thing, trying to figure out what is true to them and kind of rebuilding from what they thought their life was going to look like. So hang in there. Uh, Thank you for being here with me for the last two years. I have found myself through the podcast as lame as it might sound. And I'm glad to have been in your ear holes for a lot of your own life experiences. Okay. That's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you, I hope you keep submitting Dumb Dumb Club entries. I hope you keep listening to the podcast. I can't wait to see what this year teaches me. Hopefully it's a little less traumatic than this last year was, but no matter what, I love you guys so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for always reminding me to be safe and be kind and be hot and always taking care of yourselves and reminding yourself to do the same. So I love you so much. Thank you for the last two years. Can't wait for more. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you. So please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind the scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week.